0: Welcome to Shop Girls on My Talk 107.1 Everything Entertainment. I am Harmony Kaplan and I get to spend a second week with my favorite shop boy, Grant Whitaker.
1: God, it's such a blessing being here, but this is such a change from last week.
0: Yeah, it's a little quieter here than it was at US Bank Stadium with the Holiday Boutique. It was fun.
1: It was really fun, but I kept feeling like people were going to jump on us, not the table. Well, (laughs) they kind of (laughs) did. That could have happened.
0: That could have (laughs) happened. But we are back in the studio this week, although I do want to mention, Allie will be back next week, and we will be at the Galleria next week in Edina for. Small Business Saturday, right? Yeah, I love the there Galleria. are some small businesses. That's one of in my favorite too. spots. Yeah, it's me my too. hood. Me too. Yeah, I like that place a lot too. But we've got so many things to talk about today, and one of the first things I want to talk about is um, the North Local Market that opened at uh, City Center downtown. Uh, there was a wonderful article written by Allison Kaplan.
1: Who's that? He, <laughs> she used to be the
0: editor of Twin Cities Business till I took over. I know, I saw that on Did your you Instagram see post. you on Instagram? Yes. Yeah, well, I didn't last long. You
1: keep shaking up things there.
0: Well, you know, the thing is, she said you actually have to work if you have this job, and I said, mm, oh, bye-bye. So, that's very shady of her. <laughs> I know, I, it's, it's not nice. I didn't think that I had to work. I just thought I could sit there and have coffee. Anyway, uh, in City Center there is an exciting new um, venture that Mitch Berthume, who is just the best organizer of uh, pop-ups and markets, local markets mm-hmm. in the Twin Cities. And she has done RAS at Mall of America and, yes. and many, many others. Anyway, so City Center has a lot of space available right now. And during, she she curated uh, a shopping center so to speak Pop up. um dur- yeah pop-up during super bowl yes and it was very successful but the interesting thing was they sort of expected it would be that you know it would be all these people from out of town that would be there but in truth it, it was, was our locals it was the locals and so uh they are now doing a- another pop-up so to speak, and it's going to be open. It's open currently. It just opened on the fifteenth of November. It'll be open till December twenty seventh. In cities, it's where the former um, sports authority was. Right, and so it's on the street level. The interesting thing is now, as opposed to being out in the open, they can actually lock it up at night, and so that helps. All and of had these you done the visit vendors. during
1: the Super Bowl? Well,
0: I I was downtown during the Super Bowl. I wasn't there, but I was there the day it opened, Thursday. Okay, so I was just I was there, there during now. the Super Bowl. Okay. And did you find it fun?
1: I did. I thought it was a great venture, especially, and I thought it was a really good use of the space.
0: Well, it is. And, and I think the big difference is it's not like Mall of America or Rose Rosedale's, you know, with Rose and Loon or what is now Four Post at right. Mall of America, which are really more set up to be almost like a store, a department store. This is really um, a big empty space right. that these 35 vendors have set their their wares up in and it's a great place for some of the small brands and uh to kind of, they don't have to sign a long-term lease and they can see how it goes and you'll find some of the sort of tried and true ones that we love like to find at these power- yes and- thumbs cook thumbs cookies um and still kicking but there are also some new ones there's this great kids wear line called peregrine Hmm. very very cute things uh the homegrown company which is apparel and wet rock company they create industrial furniture and decor with salvaged materials how do you like that
1: that sounds very good
0: so their hours are wednesday uh, weekdays from 10 a.m to 7 p.m and on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And, you know, I think I I bought a couple of gifts while I was there. And it's, it's a great idea. You're supporting locals, but it's really kind of fun, too. And I might as well at least give my husband a plug, too, because his watercolors are there.
1: Nice. Yes. They're hanging so now when the do wall. they close? Like, what's the end date for the, the entire market? The end date
0: is December 27th. Okay. So just past Christmas. That's kind of nice, though. So, yeah. I mean, so, they made
1: such a great use of the space during the Super Bowl. I'm sure it's similar in terms of layout, so if you got to visit it during the Super Bowl, you know, it's a great holiday right, stop.
0: Right, so um, anyway, I would suggest everybody check that out. It's really uh, a fun market, North local
1: market. Well, I think, too, if you're kind of nostalgic about downtown shopping.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, it. it's different downtown now. It I gotta is. say, Absolutely. I haven't been down in a while, and it's yeah. certainly different, but this adds some real spice to it. So you were at an event yesterday you part you participated in an event yeah at dugo uh which is at the galleria mm-hmm. and they had nicole miller the designer there so can you tell us a little bit about the highlights and tell yeah us, so was she nice was she a diva tell no, us all the she details was,
1: yeah i will um she was she was wonderful so dugo as you mentioned which is at the galleria um had asked if i would come in and kind of be the celebrity stylist and do a q a with nicole Oh, fun. So yeah. we hosted a Q&A at was Crave. Was it in the store?
0: Oh, was it Crave. It was okay. at Crave
1: in the kind of that really beautiful back glass room with yes. the fireplace. Yeah. And she was lovely. I mean, she they I mean, they had her Resort Collection Spring Collection all of that came in. So it was nice to see all those pieces and see her work, but it was really amazing to talk to her. About her history and how it started and where she is. And she was true and tried to say that, you know, she's more rock and roll. That's oh, really who okay. she is. Yeah. She looks amazing. She, you know, says basically what keeps her young is she's a windsurfer. Really? Yeah. I mean, I just, I had should such Should I a- start that? Probably. Yeah. I think we yeah. all should start uh-huh. that. She looked insanely amazing. Yeah. I
0: saw pictures.
1: But the collection was really amazing. We had some models doing a little informal. She was great about answering every question. It was just a really nice time. It was, um, of all things, I will say that she was beautiful and she was super down to earth.
0: Well, that's always good to hear.
1: Yeah, especially for someone. I mean, you can imagine she has licensing in like 50 different brands and things right now. And her name is really licensed. And it's super interesting. Her rep, um, James, who is in the Midwest, you know, who brought in all the pieces just said, you know, he had come from another brand that he had worked at. So it was Lafayette 148. And that was a really cool brand. But coming over to Nicole Miller, it just seems like the price points are really affordable for are what they lo- are in what terms kind of quality. Of,
0: what kind of price point? So, I mean, you, you were
1: looking from, you know, one hundred and thirty five dollars to the most expensive thing being twelve hundred dollars. But okay. that was but a fully, a broad area. De- I'm yeah. talking about a full decked out leather coat with oh, embellishments okay. and all of those things. Yeah, I mean, the pieces were insanely amazing. They really were.
0: And are they still going to be there? I mean, it, was it a trunk show? So, I mean, did she take everything back with her? Or, um, so are, they'll
1: be there actually through this through Wednesday of this week.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, so people can they, still get over then the to And the purpose Dugo.
1: was Duga brought her in and then she was at Fashion Fest last night which is the benefit for Children's Masonic Hospital Oh at the okay. U. Yeah. Which, and so, oh,
0: right. Yes, oh, we had Natalie that, Bush on and exactly, talked about that. Which is
1: that huge event that they did at the Depot last night. And that was, that was fun, too. I was there last night and then walked in to have a drink, and there was Nicole, and so that was some additional time. And so it was really wonderful.
0: Oh, well, that's good. Okay, yeah. well, that's exciting. So you still have time to get over to Dugo and see the whole collection. So that's kind of fun. So here's a story that isn't so much fun. Um, Be below. Is closing. And I know that uh, that others on my talk have talked about it this week, but I mean, after all, we are shop girls, and so we have to at least discuss this.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: I mean, it isn't surprising. Um, Roxy Fries, who opened Be Below in 1966.
1: 52 years.
0: Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, she decided it was time. And, you know, it's kind of understandable. She is 86 years old. And she said, I'm 86, it's time for me to retire. I'm retiring and therefore therefore, Bebelow is retiring. The shops are also retiring. That's the word I'm using. And I guess there is still a slight chance if a buyer... Comes in and says, I really want to take that over. Yeah, that that could happen. But the way things are planned right now, uh, she's planning to close after the first of the year. She said it'll be open through the holidays. It might go through January and February, depending on what happens. But um, the sale began this past Wednesday. And obviously, it's one of those kind of things where discounts will you know, kind of increase as the time goes on.
1: But did you, what was really interesting in the article that I thought was, you know, especially because we talk about brick and mortar and, and store closings and online and all that stuff was that 52 years ago, she opened that entire conglomerate with $10,000.
0: Yeah, that wouldn't happen today.
1: No, no, but it's really interesting because it's, it's kind of, it's been such a staple here in the twin cities. Yeah,
0: it has. I, you know, I said to Allison, maybe Patina, would take it over because I think of those as somewhat similar, I, but she said, no, there'd there be no reason that they really need to take those on. You know, they have their own locations. They have their own aesthetic and and that's probably true.
1: But it's funny that you say that because until reading this, I always thought that they were partners. Oh, I thought did you Patina really? and Bibla were of the same. Oh, well, I no. did.
0: Oh, okay. Well, you were wrong.
1: I was okay. wrong. <laughs> so, but, but certain touches and feels are similar. Oh, yes. Similar, don't no, no, no. Think?
0: I do. I do. I do think they have a, a similar, a similar feel. So, but I love, now
1: knowing that it's competitive. Yeah,
0: I, I love the way patina merchandises. They I do too. Are just incredible. Yeah. Like but anyway, we wish we wish Roxy well whether Absolutely. she uh, decides to sell or just closes. But what a
1: great f- name, Roxy Free! I, I know, isn't
0: that wonderful? She could be a stripper or no. a drag queen. Okay, well that's yes. possible too. So I want to <laughs> mention that a little bit later in the show we are going to have a guest, um, Crystal Liebrich, who wrote a book called "Thank You for Shopping." It's a wonderful book about all the department stores that. We no longer have, unfortunately, but it's it's a great read and a great gift idea. So that will be coming up a little bit and later. And it's
1: beautiful, the book.
0: Yes, it is. Wonderful pictures. Anyway, when we come back, we got to talk Michelle Obama. I mean, it's her week, obviously. So stay tuned. We will be back with more Shop Girls right after this. My thoughts. Okay, welcome back to Shop Girls. It is Saturday, and so that means it's Shop Girls, right? It is. And I am Harmony Kaplan here today with Grant Whitaker.
1: The shop girl with the deep voice.
0: Yeah, really
1: deep <laughs> voice. And a little facial hair, but that's
0: okay. Hey, we like shopping no matter it's... If my, it's my hormones. Yeah. What can I say? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, we've got lots going on today, and, you know, we have to talk. This has sort of been Michelle Obama's week. Her book came out and I was glad to see, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel who said he had thought that the book was called becoming Michelle Obama. Oh, and I thought that too, but it isn't. The book is becoming by Michelle Obama. The whole idea is becoming and you know, whether it's her or anybody else, you know how you become your best self. Um, a few people were interested in the first day, seven hundred and fifty thousand copies were sold. Uh, in the US and Canada. That's audiobooks and right. uh, written. But it's the only one you know that did better first day this year. What? Bob Woodward's book, Fear
1: okay. about
0: the Trump administration. That sold nine hundred thousand. I don't know why I know these things, but it's
1: really Well, tempting. it's number one on Amazon right now, too. Oh, yeah, of course, you know.
0: of course it is. Anyway, so she kicked off her book tour, and as a result, obviously has been on all of the shows and everything. Um, and it's very interesting to read and hear about some of this stuff. And she said, uh, among the things that she wrote in her book, she said she became, when she became First Lady, there was an enormous amount of pressure, where optics were concerned. And she was certainly aware that she was not only first lady, but the first black first lady.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: And so she wanted to make sure, make sure that she played the part correctly. Um, She has a different look now than she did. Then Um, they, they said, as opposed to when she was first lady, she is, the look is now more approachable and polished than she was then but that the, it's, it's a different look if you did you see the picture of her on l i did um they did a whole editorial and did a great you can explain your outfit better than i can probably
1: well i mean cover yeah i mean the <laughs> outfit is really just it's a corseted black corset over a really nice white piece that's Shivan chi yeah you know i, I mean but it's gorgeous looked, yes
0: yeah, well, I mean, she can wear clothes so beautifully.
1: But it's so interesting how we got so obsessed with her style because mm-hmm. it also talks about how, you know, discomfortable she was with the fact that people focused on her style.
0: Right, and and what she said was, it's in the book and in, in Elle, the excerpt, there it says, it seemed that my clothes mattered more to people than anything I had to say in London. I'd step off stage after, after having been moved to tears while speaking to the girls at the Elizabeth Garrett Anderson School, only to learn that the first question directed to one of my staffers by a reporter had been, Who made her dress? Right, this stuff got me down, but I tried to reframe it as an opportunity to learn to use what power I could find inside a situation I'd never have chosen for myself. If people, I loved this, if people flip through a magazine primarily to see the clothes I was wearing. I hope they'd also see the military spouse standing next to me or read what I had to say about children's health. And I think that that's an important thing that she realized that you know, as First Lady and especially in this modern era, I think probably certainly ever since Jacqueline Kennedy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. People
0: do focus on the clothes and the clothes are important. Clothes say a lot as you certainly. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think You know, you have to define your style at a certain momentum. But I say this all the time. In my work, I use style and trend as a vehicle. Mm -hmm. And that's what she was doing. She was using it as a particular vehicle to speak to all the different things and all the different things that she was passionate and authentic about. You know, it was just a support system.
0: Right. another thing that she said is she tried to be somewhat unpredictable to prevent anyone from ascribing any sort of message to what I wore. I was supposed to stand out without overshadowing others to blend in, but not fade away as a black woman, too. I knew I'd be criticized if I was perceived, perceived as being showy and high end, and I'd also be criticized if I was too casual. So I mixed it up. I'd match a Michael Kors skirt with a T-shirt from Gap. I wore something from Target one day and Diane von Furstenberg. the next. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, she knew exactly what she was doing. And one of the other parts that I thought was so interesting is, and I don't know that everybody knows this, she paid for all of her clothes. Well, not only did she
1: pay for her own clothes, but anything that she was lent according to White House ethics, had to go back and be donated.
0: That's right. Yeah. To the National Archives.
1: Well, and, and the best thing that that article said was she didn't, excuse my word, four letter word, F, around with White House <laughs> ethics. She didn't. Right. She followed them. She wasn't them, taking any chances. But she set her own rules and boundaries around it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I, you know, I don't think people know. One of the other things, because I saw her on Ellen, and I saw her on Jimmy Kimmel, and the Today Show. Yes, I mean she she just has been been on that circuit. But one of the things you know she was talking about is people don't realize the first family pays for all their food and everything when they're just up in their quarters and having breakfast or lunch or dinner. Whatever they order, they'll it get it them. for them, yeah, but absolutely. they pay for it. Yeah. So, and, you know, and this was the same with her clothing. So, obviously, it's a considerable amount that has to be put out there. But she did it, I think, in a very smart way. She she also, in the book, sings the praises of her stylist, who we're going to talk about in a minute, um, Meredith Coop, yes. who was with her almost the entire time. And this was the other thing that I thought was so interesting because... Some of us, you know, when you get dressed in something new on and you go somewhere and suddenly you realize, well, as a woman, you realize, "Uh oh, that skirt doesn't really cover my legs quite right or I can't move in this. She said she actually had a physical fitness test. They helped her select clothing. She said she went through an impressive range of motion when trying on clothes. She'd put a dress on and she'd squat and she'd lunge. Oh, it was a full on aerobics class. And pinwheel, pinwheel her arms to make sure that she could move. Because she said, you never know when you have to pinwheel your arms at a state dinner.
1: But people you don't know. think about that. You know, there's a right. certain portion of, you know, she has to move and she has to be gra- graceful and she has to speak. And all of those different things that she was really concerned about. Yeah. And again, I think because of the fact that she didn't want people to focus so much on the style... She really wanted them to focus on what she had to say.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, you know, what do you, what do you think, before we talk about Mary, what do you think uh, her look on this book tour so far has really been pants and pants suits for the most part?
1: Well, and it's funny because last week we talked about everyone stepping away from that. Yeah. And it's kind of her first time really kind of stepping into it. Yeah. Would you agree? I mean, she's, yeah, not, she's, I mean, she's always done pants and right. things, but she's done them in a different way. Yeah. But now it's focusing, and her stylist is also saying that, it's a little bit more of a a casual focus for her. Right. And less, you know, I mean, she did so much for people like Jason Wu and Narciso Rodriguez. And, you know, during her time, I mean, she really also was spearheading a lot of African-American designers that weren't getting a lot of publicity.
0: So you didn't like her outfit, you said, when she had her first interview with Oprah. The white, high-waisted pants.
1: Yeah, you know what it felt like to me. It, I, I and I'll I'll just be honest. It felt like an Oprah Winfrey outfit to me. Oh. It felt like I'm going to meet Oprah and what may Oprah be wearing, and I'll think about it in that way. I think Michelle, it wasn't my favorite, and I think Michelle's beautiful. Yeah, I do, too. and I love like her hair is very simple and beachy, and it's kind of like it does. It looks a little more effortless. Yeah, and so the pants for me look too contrived.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Do you know what for I mean? For the most
0: part, on the other shows she's been wearing, their flowy kind of pants. And those and, look great. And, and it was that white and,
1: cut in particular that just felt... I don't
0: love the high-waisted. It, to me, it sort of cut her off a little when we bit. we
1: were talking about her doing this full-on aerobics routine, and I was like, well, maybe you didn't do it in, in those pants that day. <laughs> you know?
0: But for the most part, she looks great. And, and her stylist has been Meredith Coop, who she first started out... Um, akram goldman who mm-hmm. i akram is that how you say it or ikram goldman who has a shop in chicago
1: no it's ikram
0: ikram ikram excuse and you know myron
1: me. and i did a show years ago for ikram
0: okay well she was her go-to person she couldn't obviously move to washington
1: with her right and
0: suggested meredith because she was a young and woman ikram with, has
1: the most exquisite shop
0: yes and I mean, michelle really obama does. had had shopped there a lot
1: price points so, are outrageous sometimes are in they yeah
0: I can't say I've ever shopped there, but anyway, so right now Meredith is focusing on the book tour, but she does still do some styling uh, and has a few other things going, but she said she doesn't see herself doing this in five years. She said it's not a business you can scale because in the end you have to be there. But for right now, she's focused on the book tour. And I think, you know, she's obviously, Michelle is comfortable with her. And she what she said that I loved is she said, Michelle obviously has the final okay on an outfit. But she said, she trusts me and she really lets me do my things. So they obviously have a, a good working relationship. So anyway, I just think it's, it's fun to see her out there. Obviously, um, she's as real as they get. And I think that's why people are excited to read her book.
1: Well, and it's not just that she's really trying to do some good, and she has oh, an absolutely. opinion, and she's yep. speaking her opinion. Yep,
0: and it's nice to see that to just be out there and, yeah, and absolutely. be yourself. Anyway, we have to—that's our Michelle Obama update. So we have to Love take her. a break, and when we come back, we will have uh, Crystal Liebrich here to talk about this wonderful new book that is out. So stay tuned. We will be back right after this with more Shop Girls. Welcome back to Shop Girls on my talk one oh seven one Everything Entertainment. This is Harmony Kaplan along with Grant Whitaker.
1: God, it's like two weeks in a row. It's holiday spirit. We're just flying by.
0: What are we going to do without each other? Next? I know. We, Grant, oh, we'll have to figure it out. Yeah. Well, we have a special guest right now that I'm very excited to talk to. Uh, Crystal Liebrich. Hi. Welcome. Banks. She has written a book called "Thank You for Shopping: The Golden Age of Minnesota Department Stores," and it is a wonderful book for anybody. Um, let's see, how far back would you say? When did, when did it all end? Let's let's put it that way.
2: Well, I think it may have ended when um, Dayton's was renamed Marshall Fields, and um, what was that, two thousand two? I you think. You think
0: that really? I thought when it was still Marshall Fields, maybe it was still okay. Okay, but, so then when it became Macy's. Yeah, right? But I yeah. get what you no, mean. Well, it was, a, right. different, Macy's. It was yeah. a
1: different spirit right. in certain right. ways.
0: So, I mean, really, for almost anybody past the age of 20, they're going to relate to this and remember what things were like. Um, why did you decide to write this book? Let's let's start with that.
2: Well, five years ago, I published a small book by the that was published by the History Press, called Dayton's, um, um, a twin cities institution. It was just a small hyper local little book that went with the history press, a South Carolina publisher. They have, um, a series of books on landmark department stores. So they were looking for a Minnesota writer. I volunteered. I wrote this little book about Dayton's. And when I did that, I realized
0: that there's a lot of stories to be told. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I, this just came out. You had your grand opening, uh, was Thursday. Yeah. Thursday night and um I, I guess there there's so many beautiful pictures in the book, and it isn't just Dayton's where you're talking about Powers and Donaldson's, Donaldson's
2: and some of the St. Paul stores. Um, The Emporium, Golden Rule, um, Schunemann's before it became Dayton's, Young Quinlan. Oh, sure. And then we've got a few stores from outstate Minnesota, too.
1: But I think it's also important because if you're listening to let people know, this is not just a small book. This is a coffee table, beautiful book book with grand images. And
0: I think a perfect gift Oh for my god! The holiday season—I really do. I, when I mean, Harmony
1: I... brought the book in this morning, I—I'm—I mean, we're black belt shoppers. That's all we <laughs> do is talk about shopping, sure. and I love the history of shopping. This is really a gorgeous book.
0: It's a
2: fun little walk through um, these department stores. 150 years of department stores, really.
0: What were there some big surprises that you found in doing research for this, or in writing, or things that that just kind of, you know, amazed you?
2: Well. I was amazed to learn that in 1891, Donaldson's had buying offices in London, Paris, and New York City. Oh my Whoa. goodness! In 1891, really? And I was also kind of surprised to find out that Dayton's actually came like 20 years after Donaldson's. You know? But, it, yeah,
0: but they sort it, of it was
2: the young the young store, yeah. which was kind of surprising. So yeah. when
1: you're writing a book like this and and doing this, what's what's the most important thing that you want to get across to the reader that's going to pick this up or the person who's that advocate for shopping?
2: Mostly that these department stores really were institutions in our communities.
0: They absolutely were. They were such
2: huge parts of people's lives.
0: And do you think that it's, what do you think really caused the demise? Do you think it's really just the internet? Or do you think there's something more to it than that?
2: You know, I think our shopping habits have evolved from the get-go. You know, I mean, I think when Sears Roebuck came in and started doing the mail order stuff, I'm sure that a lot of um, small town stores closed because of them. So I think, yeah, the Internet, yeah, the shopping malls, you know, I mean, all that's kind of led to the demise of the downtown department stores. But I think I think things just don't last forever. I mean, I think, yeah, our tastes change and I'm not really sure that maybe department stores, maybe we aren't as big of consumers as we used to be.
1: But, you know, the interesting thing, too, and, you know, this harmony, like when you're looking at those pictures and you see the investment in store windows Mm -hmm. and like the display and things like that. Why is that kind of dying out? What do you think?
2: I'm sure money, bottom line. Yeah. No, I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Stockholders <laughs> want their money. They don't want to, you right. know,
1: I, but I'm it's that sure. creative. I mean, when you're a shopper and you want to walk and you're, you're looking at these brick and mortar places, you know, that's such an impact. I mean, I'm a creative person. I'm always inspired by that, you know, and I remember the days of the department stores sure. and looking at those windows and stuff.
0: But, you know, it's interesting because you have a foreword to the book by Dolores DeFore, who, I remember when I started working at Dayton's, I was scared to death of her. Oh, were yeah. you? I
2: worked. <laughs> I yes, love Dolores. I, I worked.
0: Yes, I'm not scared anymore. Um, I worked in special events, but she was a powerhouse. And she was very well known on the local uh, shopping scene. She eventually was was a president of Herald, yes. which was also yes. a wonderful yes. upscale women's women's store. But one of the things that she said is it was a time when we always wanted to touch the merchandise and I thought that that was a great way of putting it I, I mean I still find that today I mean are you are right let's be honest are you a shopper on the
2: internet do you do a lot of well that's kind of funny I just recently I've been so busy and I needed a new winter coat I wanted kind of a nice down jacket and um, I ordered something on the internet and it came yesterday and it doesn't fit
0: Oh. Yeah, it's it's different when you're when you're dealing with the Internet and there is something about it. I mean, I the the biggest mistake I ever made was from a company that I didn't realize was in China and that it was not really I, I don't think it had quite the standards it was supposed to. And it was a sweatshirt that came and the fabric. I can't even explain what it was like. It has never been worn. It'll be a white elephant gift for somebody.
1: (laughs) Well, and you know, like looking at your book and talking now and then doing research, um, how do you see that kind of touch and feel continuing in the future?
2: I actually think there might be kind of an opening for smaller stores um, to be more successful now, because I think people do like to go shopping in stores and, you know, I think the the days of a large brick-and-mortar building is are, are probably gone. Right. And um, so, you know, this might be a resurgence of locally-owned, smaller, boutique-y kind of places making a, a go of it.
0: So I, you know, in thumbing through the book and looking at things, and I was reading all about the stuff when you were talking about all of the events in Dayton's auditorium. So here's the bone I have to pick with you. Okay. Among the things that you mentioned was the teenagers that would come for the top 10 radio show with Bill Deal. You forgot a very important part of that. What? I was the co-host of that show. Oh, you were? I was the one who put the whole show it's together. such a
1: diva. Listen yes. to her. Oh. She had that bone I mean, to pick. But
0: I put the whole show together. Right. I'm the one who came up with the clothes. I did everything and Bill would come and show up to do the show and I would tell him what we're doing. And here you give him all of this credit. And oh, I wasn't really And I this. really,
2: you know, this is the trouble with this book is, um, you know, I felt like I was broadcasting loud and clear that I'm working on this book, but how do you find people? Yeah. And, you know, I was researching the archives of the two local daily newspapers. I was, right. you know, pouring Kinda through things. I was talking paper. to Ugh. people and, um,
0: yeah, and, I mean, and you wouldn't
2: I, believe all the stories that are coming out now. And it's like.
0: Oh, you 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 have to do a sequel. Yeah. No, but I, you know, it it is funny because obviously, I mean, we've talked about it on the show because I said I've sort of come full circle because when I started working at Dayton's, it was doing this radio show for uh, on WDGY for Dayton's, Dayton's top 10 show. So, I mean, it was just kind of funny when I saw that because I thought. Oh, I'm chopped liver. Oh, I am
2: so sorry. Oh, it's
0: okay. (laughs) But, you know, the interesting thing
1: is I know you've got all these different, you know, Twin Cities establishments and department stores and history and things. But, you know, having toured the Dayton's project and seeing it kind of ripped back open and seeing that shell... I mean, I can't wait to divulge into this book more because I had so much imagination when they were talking about elephants going up in the elevators and all the things that used to happen there. And, you know, of course, I have a close and personal relationship with Myron Johnson. And, you know, that's so interesting because he has his own history there and going back and telling him. What did you find was the most interesting thing that you learned from all those department stores and events and things that used to happen?
2: Well, to tell you the truth, those teen dances sound like a blast. Well, I wish was, I would have been around and I would have been older and I could have yeah. gone to them. Um, actually, one of the funniest stories I came across was the fact that Dayton's hosted this work group called Fantasy Unlimited in 1967, and they, they had like this simulated LSD trip Oh, on the eighth floor auditorium. Wow. Isn't that bizarre? <laughs> yeah, that must that's have been very right bizarre. After, 1967. Is that right? That was after, right after I think I it was just
0: like this... Wild psychedelic. They didn't
1: have you to chaperone anymore. Yeah. No, Harmony. I guess not. <laughs> they got you yeah. out.
0: And, yeah, let's, let's <laughs> really party now. Um, the other thing that you include in this book is recipes. Yeah. Explain that. What are the these from?
2: Well, I think a lot of you know all these stores had um, had, had restaurants, restaurants that people loved and yeah. held dear, and of course, you know everybody knows about the old grill and the Sky Room at, the, right. at Dayton's and the River Room over in um, Saint Paul, the Fountain Room at Yes, um, yeah, at, um, Young Quinlan, and it was just fun to kind of find the recipes because I know that that also um, tugs at people's hearts. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. The popovers so, at so Oh, yeah. So you've included those in the book as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that is so much fun. I want to also say um, you're nice enough to be giving away a book today. And I think what we'll do, Hope, we'll take the, well, you tell us, what number caller should we take? Sixteen. Oh, oh my goodness! Oh, <laughs> oh she's that's me. It difficult. Okay, the sixteenth caller is going to win a copy of the book. Thank you for shopping by Crystal Liebrecht. So, um, I guess get on the phone right now and call. Um, and we have a, just a, another minute. I wanted to talk because you've got other appearances coming up too, and I want to make sure people know Thursday, uh, November twenty seventh. Tuesday, from Tuesday. Excuse me, Tuesday, November twenty seventh, from six to seven thirty. Uh, this is hosted by Scarborough Fair and Macabers mm-hmm. Bookstore at twenty two thirty eight Carter Avenue in Saint Paul. And then on Saturday, December fifteenth, you're yep. going to be at the
2: Lib- County Library downtown at two o'clock. At
0: two o'clock, you're going to be talking mm-hmm. uh, about the book, and people can ask questions and all of that kind of thing too. And the book is available where.
2: At all local bookstores, at the Minnesota Historical Society Bookstore, and of course you can get it online too.
1: And tell us the title again, because I, I can't imagine there aren't a lot of people interested in this.
2: Thank you for shopping the golden age of Minnesota department stores. Only
1: I, you could say it that yes, way, that's why. Yes,
0: that's right. I mean, it's a wonderful book, wonderful to have for yourself or for anybody that has lived in this area for a long time. Um, great uh, idea for for the holidays. Harmony, can
2: I ask you a quick question? Uh-oh,
0: yes, real quick.
2: Were you at Dayton's when Stuart Wells was there? Yes, I sure was. He sounds like he was quite a
0: character. He was. He was absolutely wonderful. Yeah. No, I that that was my day. So anyway, Crystal, Crystal thank you so much for being with Thanks us. Thanks for having it me. It was fun talking to you. And everybody get out and get the book. Thank it's you a for shopping. Book. Thanks. Thank you. And we will be back with more shop girls right after this. How I wish I would have met you. Welcome back to Shop Girls on My Talk 1071, Everything Entertainment. This is Harmony Kaplan, along with my favorite shop boy, Grant Whitaker, today. Allie will be back next week, but we have another guest.
1: A great guest. So
0: exciting. I'm as so if exciting. you think we almost had planned for it, right? I know. Yeah. Okay.
1: I always <laughs> think of this one as like my blonde lost sister. Oh, oh, I like right? to think that too. Yeah, oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> well, let's tell everyone who she is. This is Amanda Brinkman. And she is the chief brand and communications officer at Deluxe. So start out by telling us, first of all, what deluxe is and what that means what you're doing yes
3: most people know deluxe for our legacy which is in the check printing space so we are over a hundred year old company um, and we have been in the business of helping small businesses and financial institutions be successful for over a hundred years Um, but over those years we've evolved right alongside our customers and while some people still think of us for those legacy products um, our growth is really focused not only in the fintech space but in helping small businesses with their marketing Mm -hmm. so in working with small businesses is all these years we noticed how much they were struggling with, you know, online presence and their branding and packaging. And, you know, when you start a retail shop or a bakery, it's because you love that kind of a business. It's not because you can't wait to, you know, build that website right. or manage your Twitter account. Right. And so uh, we help small businesses with those things. So my role is to try and help uh, change those perceptions of Deluxe and, and raise awareness in the small business space of uh, Deluxe.
1: Well, Amanda, you're such a you're such a great individual, but you also have like really great style. I always feel like you look like pink of the business world. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. A good way of putting you know, it. but then yes. you always have all this great information. <laughs>
3: not at all. Not a not a bar.
1: <laughs> so where did this concept arise from? So now you have this new show, and mm-hmm. that's why you're here today to kind of talk about that. So tell us a little bit more about that.
3: Okay, so the Small Business Revolution Main Street is a show. It's on Hulu, and it uh, streams online at smallbusinessrevolution.org. Uh, and the concept is that each season we revitalize one small town's main street through its small businesses. Uh, so all Del- is
0: locally? all okay. um, I mean, Across the country.
3: Okay. So uh, the process is that we ask people to nominate their favorite small oh, town okay. um, and then Deluxe will invest half a million dollars in revitalizing oh. the winning town's main so street. Okay. Um, and so uh, we're in the fourth season of the show and so right now we're in the process that we call the top 20. So we've narrowed down the 12 this year we got 12,000 nominations of towns. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's incredible. I think it's because we all have a small town that we love. Were some here? Yes, yes there like, were. And one of the top 20 towns is
1: actually Fergus Falls, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. have
3: you
1: I have not. I haven't. Either. Well, so what's the filming schedule like for something like this? So,
3: well, okay. So, first, we, so, we narr- so we get these 20 towns, right. and then we narrow it down to 10, and then we go out and visit those 10 um, throughout the month of January. So, I spend my entire January on the road visiting these incredible small towns across the country with my team. Um, and then we narrow it down to the top five, and then the public votes. And um, each oh, year we get about a million votes. votes for the winner. Um, and, uh, and then we go in and we revitalize the winning town. Main Street and we do it by working with the small businesses because the entire thesis of the show is that if you have a strong small business core your entire town can thrive Uh, and we believe that to be true in small towns in urban neighborhoods wherever a small business is we really feel like our mission is to create a movement we want more people to support small businesses and to recognize the importance of doing so and so the show is you know um, one part entertainment of course but it's really one part education so small Businesses who watch the show learn a lot through the process that we go through in helping these small businesses revitalize, um, and it's one part inspiration. You know, even mm-hmm. if you don't own a small business, we want everyone to recognize the importance of going out and shopping local. Sure,
0: it helps. It helps everybody. Yeah. Actually, what are some of the major challenges that uh, some of these small businesses? The face top today? two things
3: that we see all small businesses uh, struggling with in the retail space and, and beyond is um, uh, really not understanding marketing and how to use marketing to grow their business. Again, you didn't start your business. In order to manage a right. website or be findable online, but that's vital to your success. Mm. And then the second thing is not uh, is finances. So either not knowing your numbers or not knowing what the numbers are telling you. And it's really hard to operate a business if you don't know if, if you're not using that data and those numbers to make informed decisions. And so there are a variety of challenges that
1: small businesses encounter, but those are the top two that we see consistently across the board. And so you're obviously super passionate about this. So did you pitch this idea? Did somebody come to you? And then, if you're interested in this, how do you get involved?
3: Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, my role is to really, you know, raise awareness and change perceptions of deluxe. And I just felt like. What, a, what better way to get in front of small businesses than to actually put our money where our mouth is and get out there and help them. Um, we could have done an ad campaign like our competitors do and say, hey, buy a website from us, buy business cards. I mean, that we, Deluxe does everything a small business needs to market themselves. But instead of just advertising at them, we're out there standing alongside them. We're again, creating them. a movement. We're helping yeah. them. Um, and, you know, I, I just gave a TEDx talk on this topic on the concept that companies can do well by doing good. And so, we're reaching our business goals. We're changing perceptions of deluxe. We're raising awareness, but we're doing good for the very community we right. serve every day, sure. the small right. business community. Sure. It so, helps everybody. Right. What a better way to advance your business goals and to just, you know, talk at people. So
0: Can give us a couple success stories. Yes. That, that you've had? So
3: uh, I, I, Season one was Wabash, Indiana. Season two was Bristol And then this uh, last season that just launched was Alton, Illinois. Um, and across this, the three seasons, we've worked with about six retailers. Um, and in season one, there's this great bridal shop in Wabash, Indiana. So you have to picture Wabash, Indiana. It's two hours from the, the nearest metro area, right? It's surrounded by cornfields. Mm-hmm. And there's this uh, wonderful woman, Lisa Downs, who runs a bridal shop. Well, there's 10,000 people in Wabash, Indiana. There's only oh. so many weddings, right? right? So we had to work with she her. She had this shop for a long time she has so when we started working with her she had been in business for three years she was a hundred thousand dollars in debt and had never paid herself oh and we see this across the country this is very typical i think when you don't own a small business you look at you know people who own restaurants or retail shops and you think oh they're rolling in it and it it's that's not the case they're working their tail off and and many times can't account for what they're bringing home And so, um, but she had such a heart for helping um, young girls feel beautiful on that special day. And and delivering this kind of, if I'm using air quotes, like that big city, you know, glamorous experience of a bridal shop, but in this small town. And so we worked with her on, you know, how can you bring people into Wabash? How can you partner with other retailers in town to create, what if it was a bridal planning destination? And it wasn't just for the bridal shop, but you're coming to Wabash to have an experience. Um, But what was really fun is she went... um, Uh, One of the things that we uh, saw that she was struggling with is that when you own a bridal shop, uh, you have purchase minimums from the large dress manufacturers. And that's fine for if you're a big box uh, dress store. But when you're a small retailer, you can't afford to have to have these purchase minimums. Absolutely. And so we just we just challenged her to what if we went and asked the Dress manufacturers, if you if you could, uh, you know, reduce those minimums, uh, and she did, and they have, and now um, those purchase minimums have been reduced for if based on the revenue size of your store across the country. That's it was it, just that's one just, business, and now yeah. it's affecting all these great Isn't businesses. Isn't that right. so cool? Yeah. Well,
0: I wish we had more time to talk about it, but that's so exciting. And Amanda, we thank you for coming in. Uh, this Saturday is Small Business Saturday, so it all kind of ties together yes. too. Yeah, and you're doing good work. Thank you. Thank you for uh, being with yeah. us. And we will be back with another hour of show. show I don't even remember what we are. Shop, Shop, Girl, Shop Girls. Girls. Yeah. We'll be back after this break.